are listening to Cuba Mike Radio. With a little Donna Summer. Um, this is Dr. Renee Norris Jones, not a medical doctor, but she's not a scholar. Um, and my co host Sandy is going, We didn't do a station ID, so. Cindy, can you please do us the honors? <laughs> sure. You're listening to Germantown Community Radio, 92.9 FM, WGGTLP, Philadelphia, and online at gtownradio.com. There you go. Thank you very much, sir. I was like, what is he pointing to? <laughs> <laughs> um, but we got a little polite. Donna. Yeah, I was like, and I, I suck at reading reading lips, but this is Dr. Renee Norris-Jones. Doctor, not a medical doctor, but, you know, a scholar. I almost uh, eat this mic every time. Yes, and we have to because it's non-profit. Um, so, yes, I am newly minted a doctor, and I'm just running it in the ground. Minted? Yeah, my um, three-year-old grandson calls me doctor grandmother. Well, he doesn't, he doesn't do the doctor, but... Um, so, <laughs> if he does uh, do the doctor, you should get it on video. Yes, yes, but if he's in a hurry and we're in a toy store, he's just going, doctor, doctor, I need that. <laughs> um, and we're here with Miss Fox. Fox? Fox? Uh, this is Fox. I go by she, her, hers, and sometimes dude. Um, and I'm, yeah, I'm she, her, and doctor. <laughs> she gave me that look like you didn't do your pronouns. Yes, that is the look. <laughs> um, and we have also have in the studio the birthday boy. Yes, uh, another year older, celebrating the, uh, what is it, uh, 30th anniversary of my 30th, no, excuse me. 32nd anniversary of my 30th birthday. Sandy Smith, home and real estate editor, Philadelphia Magazine, uh, periodic member of this crew. Absolutely. And we have a guest. We, guest. We, we have a guest. We have company in the studio. And it's a small war because this individual used to have a show on this station. What? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mr. Gary Hines. Gary Q Hines. Yeah, I you know I put the Q in uh, mistakenly, and it's just been following me around <laughs> forever. That is my uh, that is my middle initial though. Yes. Well, you know I'm jealous because I don't have a middle name. Okay. So keep the Q. Yes. And you know what? Cue the mic. Q. So it's appropriate. Oh, that's you, 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 you got the Q. It was for this day right here. Oh, that's amazing stuff. Gary, cue the mic, Hines. Mm-hmm. So I I do have one thing to say. So normally I'm surrounded by millennials. I love my millennials. I know, I'm officially outnumbered. So right when now. I make references to things, I go, what? Like it was just, it was like Donna Summer. It's like, when did this song come out? And they're going, I don't know, let's Google it. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so. I remember when it came out. Oh, yes. I remember when it came out. So one of the things that Sandy said was, Cattle cones. Am I saying that right? Mm-hmm. Catacombs. Yes. Catacombs. Oh, okay. And, and I Catacombs. Said, I was yes, thinking like cow brushes. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like. Catacombs. Catacomb with a question mark. And he's like, it used to be this club. And I'm going, oh, really? Tell me more. So you were the DJ? Uh, my show here on G-Town Radio was called The Catacombs. Ah. And it was named after a former after hours club in Philly called The Catacombs. That's the reference that I got from Sandy. Yes. yes. The formal club. Former club, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I was not a DJ there, but I had gone there a couple of times and was mesmerized by the place. It was like the Paradise Garage in New York, if anybody remembers that. That was another legendary after-hours club. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it was uh, 
it stuck with me. It's just like it was the place to be. Well, you know, I can tell that you so had a show here because you know how to be right up on that mic. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing has changed, and it's been how long? About ten uh, years? Yeah, no, um, yeah, nine years. I was. I nine think my years. last okay. show was in twenty ten. Okay. Yeah, so okay. I was one of the newbies early on. Okay, and I think I started around that same time. Okay. Yeah, we were reminiscing when. We were waiting for you guys to come, so we were actually on there at the same time, but I don't think we knew each other then. No, my shows were on Thursday night, 7 to 9, like tonight. What did you, oh. Are you 7 to 9? Yes. No, 7 to 8. Okay. I, had like, the, I, I had didn't get the spot. memo. I yeah. think I did at one point. Yeah, we were Tuesday, and then we moved to Saturday, I think, something, okay. Okay. when we started the FCC process, mm, the mm. legal talk show. One quick trivia piece. Did you know that In Bed with Butch, Butch Cordova had a show on this? Yes. I okay. did not yes. know that Butch. Yes. For, I don't know how long it lasted. Though. Yeah, it wasn't that long. It was no. maybe, um, I saw them at least one all-hands meeting. Okay. Yeah. Maybe two. But yeah, they had a show in here for a short while. I do remember he's, he's that. He's legendary in the neighborhood. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, so. Um, It'd be we kind always... of hard to fit a bed in the studio, though. <laughs> Well, I don't know. I've heard stories. Um, so I'll just leave it there. Hey, man. Um, yeah. So I thought that for our pronoun segment, because I'm usually surrounded by my lovely millennials, um, is that, and I Can think I've talked Griffin? about this with Sandy a little bit, it's kind of, when did you guys recall the pronouns becoming kind of leading to where we're at now? Hmm. Uh, I don't recall that it had become a matter of concern until like sometime around 2000 or, you know, shortly after the millennial. Prior to that, you know, you we, we, we just had, you know, lesbian, gay, and bisexual, and we were beginning to understand, despite the fact that we now had transgender individuals around for a while, right? Uh, that, uh, you know, this was also something, you know, we had to take into account for. And, you know, everybody was still like he or she. Um, we hadn't gotten yet, I don't, I don't even remember, you know, genderqueer. I think that was the first word I heard about this um, mm. uh, coming on board until sometime mm, towards 2010 even. This mm, strikes me as relatively recent development. Yeah, I, I would agree. But I think it was a little later for me. Um, I, I always hate to use this show, but Orange is the New Black. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then um, the the character in there, and I don't know because I don't watch it anymore, but... There was the uh, trans person of color, Laverne uh, Cox. Laverne Cox, yeah. Yeah. I sort of kind of started thinking about pronouns around then. And then I worked briefly at the William Way Community Center. And we had a co- I had a co-worker uh, whose name I can't remember. But I remember Chris Bartlett would always say, no, no, it's 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 they, them, they, them, Gary. not Because not, I wasn't sure right. when I started working with, with them. Right. Uh, but anyway, it was, and that was really late, like 24. 15. So was that your first time <clears throat> getting introduced when you worked at William Wade to the they, them? Yeah, even though I had known trans folks forever. Um, but those pronouns and, and the def- definition of them and the use of them didn't come to me until really late. So yeah, at the William Wade Center. So before them, they, how were 
trans folks were they just he she yeah did you ask or i don't think we really asked back then no. right? i think usually you went by visual cues yeah you know? yeah okay do, right. do, does the person look like a woman fine it's sh- that she, person she, she or her does yeah. it look like a man then it, it's he you know and if you're unsure uh you just you use the name yeah <laughs> the proper name yeah okay uh yeah and how is that resonating with you fox with um your i know you have friends that mm-hmm. um are trans or that you've known them mm-hmm. kind of through their transition mm-hmm. when were you introduced to the pronouns probably when my best friend came out as trans when they were in high school still to me not publicly mm-hmm. um so that would have been like man i feel like that would have been 2009 maybe a little sooner than that but that was my first brush with the terminology okay and i was just going to say was termin was the terminology part of that what do you mean? The with your friend transitioning was the terminology was using and understanding the terminology part of that when they shared it. It was you. first first it was the name, the name change mm-hmm. and then it was pretty I mean pretty much the same time name change and the gender uh pronoun usage, but uh the first thing I remember cuz they used uh, a different name before they were out comfortably with their with their gender mm-hmm. their you know their gender pronouns. Um, just because of the town we grew up in was very not accepting of anything remotely gay or, uh, gender fluid. So there was a lot of hesitation on their part. I also graduated high school way before they did a couple of years. So I think I was around and going into college when, when they were coming out, but and then when I got to college, I actually encountered like actually encountered actual gay people who were out and were talking about it and were kind of living that life. Mm. So, you know, I came across a lot more after that. And how did college impact you guys? Was what did you experience? Well, what was your experience in college with the LGBT community? Well, I wasn't out to myself even until um in between junior and senior years in college, when I was, uh, you know, asked to take a leave of absence, uh, it was during that time that I uh, met somebody who, um, you know, kind of overcame my internal objections and my fears and enabled me to come out to myself. Um, after that, um, Hmm. Well, uh, uh, one of my friends said basically I kicked the closet door down. <laughs> That's the best way. And uh, you know, I I I lived a, a very much out life after that, and uh, was even a little flamboyant. You should have seen me with this you know fuchsia headband around my afro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the seventies and the sixties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fashion times, right? Yeah. Um, my college experience was kind of splintered, so I went to school one year here in my freshman year in Philly, and then I, um, I'm sorry, I'm getting this backwards. The first year was in Ohio at a very small Lutheran school of about 2,300 people where there were maybe 90 so people of color, 
And so the you know we're talking 1974. There was no LGBT stuff going on, but I had lust in my heart. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, Jimmy Carter. <laughs> That's what the reference was back yeah. to the 70s. When I moved back to Philly, because I only could do one year there, I told my mother, I said, "Get me out of here. I'm going crazy." So I came back to Philly. And, and this is in Drexel. Ohio. This is Springfield, Ohio, which is between Columbus and Dayton. Wow. A small Lutheran school. It was real. I had a scholarship. That's why I went. But uh, coming back here, it was starting to emerge in the late in the mid seventies. You know, uh, um, scenes of, of LGBT stuff happening, the PGN things like that. So, but then I dropped out of college and I didn't go back till many years later to get my degrees. Okay. So, okay. That's and by okay. then everybody was out. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like my route to college, kind of here, there, and everywhere. Yeah. Um. So, um, hmm, okay. Um, so what do you guys, what is, what, what's your take on kind of what's happening now with pronouns and um, they're ever evolving? I mean, that's something that mm-hmm. we've discussed in the show a couple of times that they're ever evolving. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, it's kind of like when they were discovering elements, like they were always there in a way, but they just didn't huh. have a name. Huh. Mm-hmm. Or like That's when, when people would find it. plants and those plants have been there forever, but they just didn't have a name for them. And people always felt this way. They just didn't have the proper name for it. I know when I was... <coughs> sorry. I'm sick. That's okay. <laughs> and uh, Griffin, I'm sorry you're sick, but it wasn't my uh, fault. Griffin, <laughs> you gave it to us. And Griffin's not here today. Hey, Griffin. Mm. Yes, you. And actually, at Griffin... Uh, Hope to see you sometime before next month's show. Um, is uh, a good example, you know. Um, Griffin's a they, but uh, those of us, especially older, still kind of like have the mental map of well, what a person looks like determines the pronoun. And Griffin, though they're very soft, looks like a he. And I think sometimes people, and I think both of I have uh, have tripped up on that, and our mutual friend reminds me. Mm-hmm. So we're still getting used to it, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. an easy way maybe to go about uh, worrying about what what someone looks like gender wise is to just kind of throw the whole concept of someone looking like a gender out. It's kind of easier to start from a blank slate. What is the term? Tabula rosa. Uh, Mm -hmm. starting from a blank slate. So if you just kind of throw all of your concepts of gender out the window and just look at people and kind of just look at them as people and then they'll tell you what their gender is um, or if they have one because they might not have one. That's a thing too. It's just, it's easier. It's easier for your brain. It's easier for them to not be. Because, you know, it's sometimes, uh, there's something called gender dysphoria and it's a lot like body dysphoria and gender dysphoria goes along with body dysphoria in the trans community but like you can have body dysphoria without uh, being trans like for instance um i actually and a lot of people don't talk about this but i um i have a a form of body dysphoria where it's basically you look at yourself and you see something that's not there or Mm -hmm. you see you see yourself in a way that maybe isn't reality right um when it comes to the trans community body dysphoria means it's it's also feeling a, a disconnect between how you look and how you feel so um, body dysphoria and gender dysphoria is, is kind of like when you know inside that you're you're female or male or neither, but you outwardly look like something or someone tells you that you look like mm-hmm. uh, a male when you are neither or they, 
or someone or, you know, you look in the mirror and you if, if it, it's transitioning is something that you want to do. And if it's something that um, is going to make you feel like you are fully tr- um, that you are fully yourself. Right. And looking in the mirror and seeing yourself before that happens is something that can really damage uh, your psyche because, you know, your your brain isn't your eyes aren't matching up with what your brain knows is you. And it can be very disheartening. It's like it's like looking in a mirror and like all of a sudden, you know, you have uh, blue hair and you know you have blonde hair, but you suddenly have blue hair and you realize you're not OK with that anymore a weird analogy but i'm trying <laughs> i'm trying here um yeah i think i am more it's still um it's still a process that i'm not as fluid as i need to be mm-hmm. as i would like to be mm-hmm. um i think the he she is habit and mm-hmm. i'm only stuck in the moment if i'm unsure mm-hmm um, and that was one of the things last Christmas I was saying I was shopping and the person behind the counter was at a bookstore, which just really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, my daughter's a Potter fan and you know, just, we have this and we have that. And at the end, I really wanted to say something besides, Hey you, thank you. Mm. And I was kind of <coughs> like, um, Hmm. Hmm. Thank you, ma'am. Yes. You. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I mean, we're, we're really conditioned to do that. Mm-hmm. We have right, all we, been right. conditioned to, to, assign gender to things even even like non-people things like like toys or clothes we've been trained all of our lives to assign gender to these things so it's not necessarily an easy thing to stop doing which is why i think it's just easier to just kind of like wipe your wipe your brain clean of the idea of gender being a thing and it's not easy but sometimes it's it's kind of just like momentarily denying something that you right. you know that you know just so that you can start writing in things that are are true if that makes any sense yes also i do want to point out that like if you're <coughs> jeez if you're trans uh you don't have to transition all the way to be valid like some people don't want to physically transition mm-hmm. or they only want to transition some part of their body and that is valid too like you don't have to feel like you have to transition all the way any direction to be valid as a trans person. Absolutely. It's a mistake Absolutely. a lot of people make in the, in the gay community even is, you know, saying like fully transitioned or you're not fully there yet or fully trans, which I don't think is fair because not everyone needs to do that. Yeah, no, I, and, and I don't look at that. I mean, I have a friend that's trans and I've known them through some of the, some of the transitions, um, but once I realized that the person that I initially knew as she is now he, it's it's he. So all the, and that's their pronoun. It's he. Um, so that was a lot easier. Um, we talked the other week. I was doing a, I was opening up an event, and I think I said something about ladies and gentlemen, and we talked about how do you do that mm-hmm. without <clears throat> missing everyone else. Right, there's a segment you might be missing. Yeah, mm-hmm. so. ladies, gentlemen, and everyone in between. Yeah, I think that's what we came up with. Were you here for that show? No, I don't. I don't think I was. Huh? But that sounds familiar to you, and everyone in between. Yeah, Gary. Um, what have uh, you heard? Well, I'm just going to start from where I am now. Like, 
I notice in signatures and emails in mm-hmm. particular, the pronouns are there, yes. like I go by or I prefer such yes. and such. So that's starting to be very prevalent, I think, yes. in business. Yes. You know, so I see, you know, business folks doing that. And then um, I saw a page, I don't know if it was Out Magazine or Advocate, that had a series of flags, you know, different types of flags. You know, at first there was just the the rainbow flag, and then there was the Don't flag. even get me started. I Don't know. even get me started. Don't even get me started. But anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, there were like 20 flags, and they were they expressed different parts of the community, you know, binary, non-binary, gender I've seen fluid. this, yes. And it was so many, and I said, boy, I got some work to do because I don't really recognize some of this. Right. Um, so, right, it wasn't that that I was speaking of. Don't get me started. It's the new LGBTQ plus. Oh, okay. The, the, that flag. <laughs> but, yes, <laughs> but but I have seen the flag, and uh, that's very powerful. It is, Just yeah. to um, have that there. You have an issue with the eight-color rainbow? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So here, here here's my thing with the flag. It was a rainbow. Mm-hmm. The red, the blue, the green, purple, orange. Yes. It's symbolic of everyone without pointing to a person, okay? Um, I just didn't see the need to include... Um, if it's symbolic, I mean, I don't know anyone that's blue. I don't know anyone that's green. I don't know anyone that's orange. So it's symbolic. So that's just my take on it. So even as a Donald Trump is orange, isn't he? (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Um, I mean, even as a woman of color, I just didn't see the need for, like, why do we need a black and a brown in there? I mean, it's it's a symbolic thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, I imagine going someplace in 10 years, and I go, oh, my God, I think that's the rainbow flag. And it's not. It's some other world that I've walked into, you know, and I'm killed or whatever, because I thought that was the rainbow flag because it had, you know, rainbow colors and 16 other colors and symbols <laughs> you know they're gonna keep, are they gonna keep adding things right. to this flag i'm wondering right and, and that's my <clears throat> point like you know at what point can it why can't it just be symbolic mm-hmm. of the rainbow that it it in, it's symbolic of a lot of things and i think you can just stand you can just leave it leave it there yeah yeah um but i want to make a, a a comment on the point you made about some folks not going all the way through transition, I think that that's very popular as well. When I say popular, I mean, I am hearing more and more people that aren't going to, you know, deal with the surgery, the expense of it, and maybe they don't even want it. So right. they're happy living this, you know, this life right. of appearance, right. you know, that they um, are different and not, you know, what they were gender born with. But, but yeah, I'm seeing a lot more information out about the trans community and other types of communities that are just coming to the fore that I hadn't seen before. So it's an interesting time. So, Fox, what do you um, think about the the surgeries? I'm not sure if you're responding to the conversation or you're having a piece no, of trolling. Or the, so yeah, I gave you the lozenges. It had with crunchy the... stuff in it, and it was freaking me out. Oh, oh. I was trying okay. to figure out what was happening. Oh, okay, all right. I, was I didn't what? know if it was like pieces of ginger, or like stones. I think so. I think it's pieces of ginger on there. Okay, um, now it's stuck to my teeth, so I can't oh. talk. Oh, it's okay. Um, so yeah, I know my friend had their insurance at some point allowed them to get the top surgery. Okay, um, and that was just the insurance change, and it just happened to be wow. I just found this out like. Boom, I can get the surgery done. Mm-hmm. Um, so do we think that it's because of the money that people are, are, that's kind of stopping some of the surgeries? 
Well, maybe they don't feel that they have to go completely through with all of that. Right. If they feel they can express themselves and be who they are without having to deal with that part of it. Right. Then why, why you know, right. why question it? It is also an issue of, of affording it too on the end of people that do want it though. My, the, the friend that I, they always talk about, they just got top surgery and oh my God, I have never seen this person so happy. Yeah. Um, it, it was something that really helped with their gender dysphoria because, you know, again, they, they matched what they, they felt that they were mm-hmm. body wise, at least, um, the upper hemisphere of their body. And, um, yeah, complete change. I mean, totally, totally happy, but it's very expensive, yes. and it took a while for them to save up for it. And um, I don't know if uh, they're planning on any other type of uh, reassignment surgery, but I know if they would, it would probably take just as long to save up for that because mm-hmm. it's it's expensive, and most insurances don't seem to cover it, especially if you have Medicaid Right. Like low cost insurance, they're mm-hmm. not going to pay for things that I, they don't they don't deem right. medically necessary. Right. Even yeah, though I don't, I don't see Medicaid paying for the <coughs> Medicaid doesn't pay for a lot of real stuff. So yeah, exactly. I imagine them paying for something that's not you know kind of basically a heartbeat and a heartbeat and a pulse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they don't, and it, which which really sucks because a lot of people who are trans, you know, we we know the rates of of suicide and uh, depression. And a lot of it comes from this dysphoria, this, you know, so, you know, some of it, part of it is, is being rejected. Part of it is the struggle of inherent struggle of being trans, but also it is, you know, this dysphoria where they can't uh, be who they, they are on the inside, on the outside. And sometimes it's enough to cause that depression. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, I think that could be a good argument for it being medically necessary because, it would just be the same thing as uh, providing medication for someone who's clinically depressed and suicidal who needs it to function. So is that something that we see that's ever going to happen that is medically necessary? Uh, in this, this administration, administration I don't <laughs> uh, Thank you. I was going to say not right now, but, um, but I think that there's folks whose mindset in the medical community understand that this is happening mm-hmm. and that they're going to have to move towards this regardless of who's in office or who makes decisions about this or what insurance companies think. Right. Um, so yeah, I think the awareness level is certainly there. And you know, on that same note, Temple University Hospital just started doing gender reassignment surgery. Wow. So I don't know how many other hospitals in the area do that. But right. And we have a lot of, well, we have a lot of colleges here too. Mm-hmm. So, but, uh, yeah, but the, the the need is certainly there um, to address that and the coverage of it because, you know, most insurance, not even just Medicaid, but I think even private insurance right. will not cover unless right. there's some real extenuating circumstance, and I can't imagine what that is, right. except that the person is, you know, not living the life they want to live, uh, they're clinically depressed, you know, a lot of right. things. And I was really surprised that the top surgery happened. I was happy that it happened mm-hmm. for my friend, but I think they changed jobs, they had new insurance, and it was like, wow, I just found out that I can get top surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I remember decades ago, um, God, that really makes me feel like I'm aging. <laughs> Say <laughs> years ago. That I'm getting ago. mature. <laughs> um, that it was something that when you heard about surgery for trans individuals, you mostly heard about the psychological tests mm. that needed to be done, and that seemed like that was a, a huge barrier at that time. Yeah. 
So I'm sure that's probably still part of it, but is it as prevalent as it was a few decades ago? Hmm. Well, you know, I'm not sure. I don't know enough about the subject on that, but I think a lot of psychiatrists and counselors and mental health professionals have to incorporate this into their practice. Right. Um, just because they're seeing more of it and people right. are coming to the front about it. Um, they might have been diagnosed some other way. Right. But now this kind of information is, is out there. Right. Were you going to say something? Nope. I was trying not to cough on oh. air again. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it, 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 just like anything else with, within the medical field, you need to um, vet your doctors, not just that they can mm -hmm. do what they say, but to make sure that they're on the same page from a right. woman's perspective. Um, GYN care is really important to me, and I need to make sure that I'm seeing someone that has the same views that I do mm -hmm, mm -hmm. on women's issues. It's surprisingly difficult to find. Oh, my goodness, it is. I've already been through so many bad gynecologists, and I'm only 28. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That's that, that's, so that's a real thing. I'm actually so. writing a piece on that soon. I think. Huh. Um, it's mostly going to be about like people with chronic chronic illnesses and inflammatory and invisible illnesses, and like how they're treated by doctors. But it's also going to be gynecologists mis mistreating uh, their their patients because it's kind of it kind of goes hand in hand. Yeah, in the 70s, I went to here in Philadelphia, Elizabeth Blackwell Health Center for Women, yeah. which was very fem feminist health care. I mean, they pretty much, they would give you a speculum. They t taught you how to examine yourself. Mm. Um, to this day, um, even in long-term relationships, it's like, no, I get, need to get tested for everything. And my family doctor, who was my, also my ex's family doctor, would go, aren't you guys in a monogamous relationship? I said, yeah, but this is about me. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And I learned that from that is that you still have to take care of you. Yeah. You still get tested. I don't care. I trust you. I love you. I'm not thinking they're doing anything, but I still have to take care of me. Mm -hmm. um, I had an IUD decades ago. Everything happened oh decades God. ago. Um, and it's uh, one of the side effects is that it kind of leaves where it's supposed to go and it moved. Oh, and, yeah. I forget what it's um, called. Puncture, punctures yeah. the lining um, now. Yes. And I remember sitting uh, in the emergency room. I was on the floor begging the doctor. I was in so much pain, and they did mm -hmm. nothing. I had to wait to go to the doctor. It was like a Saturday or Sunday, Monday. Mm -hmm. And she was just like, yeah, as a woman, if you have to go to the GYN, you have to go to the emergency room for GYN. If you can hold off, don't go, because they are horrible. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I read an article about a woman who had something that I am now super paranoid about getting because it sounds horrifying, but it's called an ovarian cyst. Uh, not ovarian cyst. Ovarian torsion. Wow. Just very similar to what men, I'm sure, know is the uh, is, is testicular torsion, but yeah. it's oh, yeah. the same thing right. for an ovary, and apparently it is almost more tra painful than childbirth. It is one mm. of the most painful things wow. that you can experience. And this woman was in the hospital um, in this excruciating pain. And if if you don't if it if you don't get it like fixed within a certain time frame, like you will lose it. Yeah. And you can also die. Right. So this woman was like in this waiting room for so long. And like the one doctor and they, they just like had her in the hallway waiting forever, yeah. like on this bed, just like screaming in pain. Yeah. And the only reason she survived, cause like the doctor that was supposed to be seeing her just like left for the day mm, or yeah. something and didn't tell anybody. So she was just waiting this out is there. Real. This is real. This is it's real. real. And her mm -hmm. husband was going, you know, and her husband like was being told to leave and she like grabbed him and she's like, if you don't get someone to treat me, I'm going to die here. Yeah, and he finally ran around and found somebody, and then th they were like, "Oh my god, I'm so sorry!" And they found out it was it was that, wow. and it was just like it was immediately like, "Oh, we gotta get her in the emergency room." Yeah. So it was like 
if she hadn't <clears throat> if she hadn't advocated for herself like that yeah in the excruciating pain that she was in that she there was like like good chance she would have died there yeah i, I remember being on the floor just in pain like grabbing the doctor's lids i go mm-hmm. to the doctor on monday and they they exit after we talked and she said you don't ever go to the emergency room if you can help it right. and she examines me and said they left the iud in you 30 percent scar tissue on my ovaries which means it cut back my ability to get pregnant by 30 percent and if you don't realize the danger of that if it goes through one organ it can then easily go through another and puncture yep. something like your stomach or your pancreas wow. yeah. whose idea were these anyway well <laughs> obviously probably not a woman yeah, well, uh, here's the thing. There is no safe, effective birth control. I'm going to say that, and I'm going to get off my soapbox. There is nothing that's, there's no birth control that's 100% safe and effective. No, and most, then, most and GYNs will tell you, do not get on the pill. It is horrible for you. The really, every OBGYN has pushed it. Yeah. And the problem is, is that a lot of them get paid to push a certain one, like the one that I got. Mm-hmm. She was pushing the IUD that I got, and it was really clear. I realized after I went back to get it removed um, all the pamphlets and the things, the free things that she had from mm-hmm. it. Like she was clearly getting paid oh, yeah, to push it. Company. Yes. Mm-hmm. And she was so heartless about it. And I was so, I was so appalled of uh, the way she treated me when I was trying to get it taken out. And these people get, another thing is that people don't, they don't tell you the risk of blood clots, mm-hmm. the risk of blood clots when you, and any birth control is so high. Right. And, uh, someone I know, know of through through one of my professors one of his students healthy 24 year old worked out all the time vegan only drank water just like the healthiest 24 year old in the world she died of a multiple pulmonary emboli mm. and they couldn't figure out what it was and i you know i was thinking i was like well was she on birth control because that if if nothing else was the cause it could have easily been and if you look through if you look through reviews for these birth controls you'll see just people people's moms on these sites saying she would be writing this, but she's dead. You know, she died of pulmonary embolism, pulmonary embolism, blood clot went to her heart. Like so many of these birth control sites and people just, they don't tell you that when you get one. Yeah. And last week, was it last week we had trans minors rights on? <coughs> yes. Trans no, minors. the week before, because I was here. So they are petitioning that. So minors can get access to birth control. Mm-hmm. Without mm-hmm. their parents' consent, at is it sixteen or something? I think it's sixteen. Sixteen across can... the country, everywhere here in, uh, in the U.S. Which is, you know, I get I, it. It's Pre- yeah. pregnancy. I believe so thing. for pregnancy. So trans mm-hmm. minors' rights is an organization. They're trying to get <coughs> hormone blockers, which is kind of similar to the whole hormones with um, puberty, um, so that the same minors at that age can also get hormone blockers without their parents' consent. Mm-hmm. Which if you I can do one. Think about that. Yeah. Mm. Which if you can do one, you should be able to do the right. other. But um, I think a lot like with any kind of medication like this, that you just really need to have an open communication with your doctor, which isn't always easy because not all doctors honestly have your interest at heart. Mm-hmm. Not all of them do. And you have to, you have to switch doctors a lot sometimes to get one that is appropriate for you. And as a parent, usually around 13 or 14, the doctor has a conversation with the parents to say that we're going to start talking to little Johnny, little Sue about their body. Mm. We're going to have a conversation with you, but then at some point we're going to ask you to step out so we can have a 
more candid and your kids can talk to us about things that maybe they might not say in front of you. Sure. So, um, I mean, things you don't have to do it, it, but you want, I mean, I wanted my kid to make sure that she had someone to talk to. Mm-hmm. Not that I didn't give her other adults, but that usually happens because someone mentioned that to me recently. Um, and my daughter's 32, so that's how long ago that was. But recently that just came up with someone. So you want to make sure that that person that your child is talking to, that if your child is in the LGBTQ plus community, that what are the doctor's views on that? What are they saying to your child? Yeah. You know? Um, so, Mr. Sandy Smith, <laughs> um, what do you think about all of this? Um, well... Uh, it seems that we, we, we've gotten ourselves into what you might call a medical thicket from what I'm hearing now, you know, uh, I mean, the whole point of birth control was to, you know, um, free up women from the, you know, having to be chained to the raising of children, uh, et cetera, that to, you know, um, Uncouple sex and babies, which, of course, the Catholic Church didn't much like. Mm-hmm. Um, Still don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet it seems that, uh, you know, we have a be careful what you ask for, you might get it moment. Well, and it's like I know birth control has changed a lot of women's lives. I know mm-hmm. some people are. It works really, really well for them, um, which is the unfortunate part because you just don't know until you try it even though it might be dangerous for you yeah no we definitely need it we definitely need it. i mean there's seven kids in my family i could not i mean for my daughter folks are like you're having another one i'm just getting used to we one just person need more research yeah. you're just not researching it enough it's not uh, when something is not safe enough and it's killing people in a, in a in a similar way or affecting them badly in a similar way you just it's it's it's, it's, it's not a more priority research. exactly yeah it's definitely not a priority um, so, um, yeah, so, I mean, I think the pronouns has happened. I think that over the next couple of years, um, as Gary said, I think we'll see more, um, approaches to having surgery from the medical community, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. you know, more acceptance. Um, <clears throat> I mean, it's just a part of life now. I mean, it's to be behind before it was behind closed doors and. You know, hush tones and that kind of thing, where people are really speaking out now, and you know, sort of demanding yes. the medical information and coverage and things that they need. So, you know, it's just more vocal. It's just out there, right? Right. And where it wasn't, you know, even ten years ago. Yeah. So, um, I I think we were probably around around the same time when you had to get like all of these all of the strengths. All I remember hearing about it was just this intense psychological evaluation mm-hmm. and that was all that was it was pretty much intense psychological evaluations before you got the surgery done and I'm not even sure what percentage of those people um, were able to get the surgery yeah how many were rejected right for whatever reason. it seems like it was more rejected than mm-hmm, than actually went through right mm-hmm. but do you guys remember you may remember the name is it Christine Jorgensen uh, the very first trans person in this country, right? Yes. Huh. Back wow. in the 50s. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm, I'm going to remind you, you're on G-Town. just need you right up on that microphone. Oh, sorry. That's okay. Thank you. <laughs> you can um, pull it back with you if you want. There you I go. Do, I'm lazy. There you go. Okay. Yeah, uh, I remember hearing about that as a, ch- as a young person. I was going to say a child, but a young person. And uh, she had the surgery, I think, in Sweden. 
Huh. Okay, so it wasn't even in this country. No, but she was an American citizen that okay. went over there for that. It was big news. Right. Big, big news. Um, but I'm just looking at where we came from since then. It was just And like she had scandalous. the top and bottom surgery. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And then here locally, before your time, are you a Philadelphia native? I am. Do you remember a woman named Harlow, Rachel Harlow? She had a club in Center City. She was a, the first trans person, uh, real name Richard Finucchio mm-hmm. from South Philly. Oh, this would have been in the 60s. Okay. I might be too young. Okay. Yeah. I just remember, and she's actually still alive. Oh, wow. Um, but had a club in Center City, had like, it was like, you know, one of these people that, you know, very socially on top of things. But right. Everybody knew she was trans. Wow. So throughout my life, I've seen and heard stories like that, but now it's just much more common. Yeah. Which is always a step in the right direction. Mm-hmm. You just got to vote 2020. Yeah. Um, oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Big time. Vote 2020. Please vote, Please vote 2020. So <laughs> we are going to move on because the clock is just marching on. And we're going to do our gas queue. Um, are you ready for gas queue? Mm-hmm. I'm sure you have some gas queue gay answers to straight questions. Some of those questions that folks have asked you over time and you just want to just roll your eyes up in your head going, if I were a straight person, would you ask me this question? Right, right. You know, um, are you ready, Sandy? Birthday I'm boy? ready. Um, um, are you ready, Fox? Yep. <laughs> Try not to chew in the mic. Um, but that ginger's the, working, chew isn't the mic. it? Is the ginger working? I found it in a cough drop. Ah, okay. But I chewed the ginger. Um, oh, okay. So she's like, I'm not even doing that. Um, so, um, I had something and I lost my place here. Place here. Hold on one second. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> some good music. Um, yeah. Do you like that music? I do. All right. So here, here we are. Um, are all gay men great at cooking and applying makeup? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Big time. No. Also cleaning. I feel like that's usually another thing is like being clean. Like. Space-wise. <laughs> Yours truly wears no makeup, is a decent cook, and a world-class slob. <laughs> All of my exes say that about me going, wow, you're really still a horrible housekeeper. <laughs> no. It's one of the perks of being an adult. That's true. And people will say things like, well, you missed a gay gene because your house is not such and such. Right. You don't. I can't believe you have this decorated like this. Where, where's your gay gene? Yeah. I used to hear that a lot. Yeah. And, <laughs> but and, no, and I don't how think does all, that feel? It feels funny to me. I laugh about it. It's yeah. like I just laugh about it. And makeup, oh, forget it. Yeah. I, I could not wear makeup, first of all, because I sweat too much. Uh-huh. And it would come running down like Tammy Faye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I don't do the makeup thing. But and didn't know. Didn't, I appreciate somebody with a good beat face. Yes. I, but I wouldn't know how to do it. Yeah, I don't know either. <laughs> I don't. Know Grace either. Jones was good at that. Oh she my had, God, she right? did makeup. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I guess that's not true. Um, no, that's a- absolutely not. Yeah, <laughs> no. um, yeah. Um, I think all of my exes cooked and clean. Mm. But I think they realized because I wasn't going to do it. You weren't going to do it. I wasn't. I'm always <laughs> the one that cooks. I don't think I've ever been with anybody that cooked for me. <laughs> yeah, I just because really I'm sad. the takeout queen, so I think they they eventually learned how to cook because otherwise we're just eating out forever. We <laughs> see. Okay, I do fit that stereotype. I enjoy cooking. I love. Cooking. I enjoy cooking too, but I don't want to do it. Well, I I I, I have <laughs> a saying. You know, cooking for one is no fun. 
you know. Cooking, it's whether true. or not you know it, is actually a performance art. Mm-hmm. You know, when I'm by myself, I hardly, I like don't eat anything because I was just like, I don't feel like cooking something for myself. <laughs> well, lately I'm going through a, oh my God, I don't want one more processed meal. So I've been cooking. I enjoy cooking. I just can't deal with what to do with chicken today, tomorrow, and the next day. <laughs> or, you know, like, I got to eat again today. Really? You want me to fix something? It is really annoying. Yeah, like isn't the it? The amount you have to eat oh, in a day. I definitely don't eat that much. Yeah, so I want a pill. I'm going to come back. I, wanna, I need a pill. There's I'm gonna get soylent. Good, I'm going to get one good haircut. I think it's going to be soylent. platinum bra. It's mm-hmm. going to stay. Mm-hmm. All right? It's going to take care of all the weight. I'll be able to smoke, too. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Um, no need to <laughs> exercise. <laughs> um, you know, I won't have to bath, eat any of those things. I th- Phil's going to do this. Yes, right? yes. Okay. In, my, in my next life, yes. Yeah, someone okay. said I'm coming back as a rock, so we'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I just it's it just gets in the way, man. It just gets in the way of being productive. Sometimes I'll literally be in the middle of eating something, and I'll just be like, I don't want to eat this. And yeah. Like, what, you were starving five seconds ago. I'm like, I don't feel like eating it though. I'm so bored. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, we have to do this to stay alive. That in the water thing. So we're going to yeah. move on so that we make sure that we are out of here on time. Um, any, anything else on the gas queue? Any other of the, the cooking and the makeup? Hmm. I think that the, 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 a lot of gay folks are sort of semi-gourmets. I know Sandy's very particular about his barbecue <laughs> sauces and rubs and all this kind of stuff. Oh, my goodness. Really, I love barbecue. I've never made ribs in my life, and I love them. You gotta have I some make mean stuff. ribs. Really? Mm-hmm. Really? Yep. You just invited me over to a cookout. You don't even know it. You, don't you got a new grill too, it. didn't you? Uh, that was my 61st birthday present from a bunch of my friends. They brought him a grill. Ooh. Yes. Brand new smoker grill. It's. I have to assemble it. But uh, said friends will help me christen it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Big time party. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I love, I've never made ribs. Here's the thing. I don't want to buy them. They're not cheap. And then I have to do whatever I have to do. I'm not sure whether it's cleaning them or doing something. And then wait for them to smoke all these hours. And then they eat it and not like it. <laughs> so the, it's the, just the not worth the investment. Effort. I just go. You could buy this thing called liquid smoke. Mm. And, and, and it's not the same, but if you really don't feel like smoking something, I'd go order them from a restaurant. Slow cook what it. I well, no, 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 no. The way you see, barbecue is an ulti- ultimately one of the most social forms of cooking. You know, you take the ribs, you've probably seasoned them with some dry rub or something. You fire up a grill, you put them in the grill so that they're not. Over the heat source. And then you sit back and you bring, you invite a friend over and you two like drink beer or, uh, you know, smoke something else or. Um... The rub. I guess you have to have a grill for this to make sense, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it's not George Foreman grill, okay? No. no. There, there, there are ways to do it in slow cookers. It's not quite as tasty, but yeah, there's passable. And not that the huh. liquid smoke is great, but it helps add a little smoke flavor when you don't have mm-hmm. a grill. Yeah. Um, it's like, it's just not worth the time and grilling. investment to have it come out not <laughs> yeah. good. Oops, but ribs that? expensive? Yeah, I buy them on sale for $1.88 a pound okay, all the so time. Okay, so see, that tells you why I probably never made them. <laughs> it's, it's not the time. It's not the money. It's the time in the, mm. they need to smoke along. My daughter went on her senior prime or junior prime with a young man and we went there, you know, and they had food and everything. They made the best ribs ever. Mm. 
Bess. You guys are going to make me hungry. I need to stop. I'm starving Bess. now. <laughs> Bess. And I'm thinking, like, where am I going to go and get some ribs when I leave here? Anyway, but let's move on to newsworthy or not. Mm-hmm. Um, so the thing here is that it's newsworthy or it's not. It's a speed round. So we got a yay, a nay, a thumbs up, a boo, next, something. One word, maybe two. Lately, our staff has been giving a whole little dissertation on I don't know if lately, I think. I feel like it's always been that way. Oh, with, with the long, with the long <laughs> explanations? All right, so here we go. Newsworthy or not? You just give us, let us know whether it's been newsworthy or not. So um, last week was the 10-year anniversary of Matthew Shepard. And the, um, his parents said that they're not going to be photo op for Trump's hate. But um, I think here, here to Matthew Shepard and just kind of celebrating that. Mm-hmm. Definitely newsworthy. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know, though, that uh, President Trump was trying to exploit ugh. it. Ugh. What, right. what isn't he trying to yeah, exploit? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, here's one. Sesame Place is opening up a West Coast location. I don't know what that is. What? Sesame Place? You know, yes. the amusement park? It's it's Six Flags for have, Kids. It's, Six it's Flags in Lancourt, Pennsylvania. It's, yeah. what is that, it's 40 right, minutes from here? Yeah, mm-hmm. about 40 minutes. I didn't grow up here, so there's she, part of it. You, I went to Six Flags when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. But this is in Sesame Place with Big Bird and, you know. All Sesame characters. Yeah, yeah, all Sesame. So it's like Disney. I did not like Sesame Street when I was uh, a kid. Uh, they freaked me out. Mm-hmm. They freaked me out real bad. Okay. All righty. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, marriage equality is on its way to Northern Ireland. Um, oh. Actually, newsworthy, sort of. Um, you know, Northern Ireland remains troubled somewhat. And if. Britain winds up uh, walking away from the EU without a deal. It's going to get troubled again. Um, but, uh, you know, well, it's interesting because that's the mostly Protestant part of, of uh, the island of Ireland. And the largely Catholic Republic already voted in marriage equality a few years back. Mm. Huh. So they're late to the game. Well, this yep. says that same-sex couples are likely to be able to begin marrying by Valentine's Day. Wow. I yeah. think that's good news. Yeah. Yes, call your wedding planner. That's always a good news. <laughs> um, and it's, it says here that the biggest threat to transgender health care is in the Supreme Court right now. Hmm. Oh, is that what they're still deciding on mm-hmm. from last 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 week? Um we talked about it um, when Trans Minors Rights was here, I think, briefly. Right. Because so we don't really know anything about it because they haven't really released anything. But Right. So we need to kind of get up on that. Um, Miley <coughs> Cyrus implies that being gay is a choice. Oh, yeah. I saw that. Smack out. Yep. <laughs> I, actually, I actually put a gif on that article that's just someone throwing a trash bag really, really far into a trash can. <laughs> mm. <laughs> that's how I feel about it. Uh, a team was found dead near Penn State campus. Fraternity was suspended. Hazing. 17-year-old. Mm. Found dead near, the, near, a, near a frat house? Mm-hmm. Probably hazing. Penn State. Yeah, or drunkenness or, mm-hmm. or something. Mm-hmm. Which is probably still hazing. Mm-hmm. Um, Hong Kong rules against marriage equality. Um, of course it does. Yeah. Um, newsworthy only because this is sort of like uh, we're, you know, did Beijing sort of suggest this or not? Oh, I'm not sure. Well, Pence was just talking about Beijing today. I don't know if you guys heard me about. I try not to listen to him. I know. <laughs> I like NPR, I but best. I had to hear like a little clip of him. It's like, ugh. 
Um, complained about Beijing. And Sorry. Rosaria Dawson is being sued for allegedly attacking a trans man. Wait a minute. Oh, whoa, no. Not Cory Booker's boo. Yes. Oh, God. And no, so you the, messed up, as you girl. read the story, it was the mom that wanted to beat her child, and Rosario Dawson obviously was reportedly holding the, the person down while the mom beats them. What? Whoa. Yes. Wow, that's a whole new level of mess. Yeah. Yeah. Mormon Y'all church. Stop beating your kids. Yeah. Yeah, for so many trans, reasons. Especially um, if they're trans. The Mormon Church told Utah lawmakers to nix their conversion therapy ban. Oh, uh, um, so they're going to start trying it? to do that again? Yeah. Who told them to nix it? The, Mor- the, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Separation of church and state. Wow. F. How many? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How many? Ah. It shouldn't even Utah. be a thing anymore. It's Utah. Church and state have never been separate there. We're slowly becoming not separate everywhere. <laughs> yes. It's really irritating. And it's the night of international news. The, a Russian man drops a lawsuit blaming Apple's iPhone for turning him gay. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what you get when you're on Scruff <laughs> and Grinder. Uh, and the last one said, stop saying Harvey Milk was the first out gay person in public office. Because there were others before him. Yeah, J. Edgar Hoover. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Wait a minute! Massive closet case. What? I know. He wasn't really. He wasn't out. Oh. Yeah, and self-hating queer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, a lot of those. But who were these others? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's a whole long article, um, and I pulled the article, and it was a whole bunch of. It's a whole bunch of folks here, and it says Elaine Noble, and it says there's a photograph. Oh, I was just going to ask if it was that. a bunch I of women. I lived in Boston when she was in the Massachusetts Aww, legislature. Like and it says, don't think that this is Harvey Milk and Drag. <laughs> <laughs> From here, it looks like... I was just going to ask if it was if one of them was a woman, because we, we were going to have a whole topic about mm-hmm. like things that women and, and people of color did first but then yes. like somehow some a, dude got like some white dude got right. credit for it it's a whole long article it was on lgbtq nation and i just had to pull the headline because the article was too long but i can send it to you and share it <coughs> so um that's it it's been in coming up on the hour we have gabe bryant coming up after us and we just have some phone numbers to share yes um i want to give a quick uh, quick shout out to my friend Hope. Hey, Hope. She she passed away Aww. this morning. Um, it's been really hard for the friends and especially the family, but we all just found out last night. And uh, so with that in mind, if you or someone you know is thinking of suicide, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at one 800 Two seven three eight two five five, or text talk to the crisis text line at seven four one seven four one. And anyone that uh, knows me in a personal sense knows that this is something I've dealt with recently already. Uh, I had a friend commit suicide a couple of months ago. Wow. Um, and the the similarities were striking. So I just want to say that if you are in an abusive relationship um, in any capacity please get out of it and don't think that there is no other way out. And uh, if you need help getting out of it, please call the Domestic 
violence advocates. They're available 24-7 in over 170 languages. And the Philadelphia hotline is 1-866-723-3014. And you can visit womenagainstabuse.org. And the, the number for the Trevor Project is 1-866-488-7386. And uh, for everyone, A New Hope. Uh, I hope you have a better day tomorrow. And uh, for everyone that didn't know Hope, she was just a really, really beautiful person. And uh, please, if you're struggling with anything, please just get help. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Warm thoughts for for Hope and some love. Um, And I am a survivor um, of domestic violence, so... Call that hotline, even if you just need someone to talk to, if you need someone, um, if you know someone that's going through it and you're not sure what to say, say to them or to how to help them, you can call that hotline as well. It's not just for victims of domestic violence. And be annoying, like, um, just all the time. Just make sure that they're okay all the time. Yeah. And if you're scared that you're going to annoy them, um, just keep checking up on them. Yeah, and, and check in with the hotline. If you think that you are doing something that's kind of pushing them away, Call that hotline. They will tell you what to say, what not to say, and, and ha- you, how to be there. And if you have a friend that says, uh, don't ever call the cops on me or an ambulance on me if I threaten to commit suicide, don't listen to them. Um, it's better to lose a friend temporarily rarely, uh, because they're mad at you than lose them forever. Ladies and gentlemen, that is our show for tonight. Um, this is Q the Mic Radio. Thank you for listening. And... You're listening to Germantown Community Radio, 92.9 FM, WGGTLP, Philadelphia, and online at gtownradio.com. Good night.